Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Unveiling itself day by day, uh, line by line, as things... We don't know what time it is, but they say in terms of uh, the something uh, clock, we're just, what, a minute from midnight or whatever they call it. I don't remember what that clock is, but it's basically talking about, you know, Christ's return. So it doesn't matter to me if it's another thousand years or if it's 30 minutes from now. My thing is if you live ready, there's no reason to worry about it. Amen? And a lot of people are interested right now. Uh, it's really amazing because a young person yesterday came to me and uh, was asking me what my thoughts were, and uh, they had not been in church for a while, a long time, and I guess the conversations that God's allowed me to have with this young person uh, has kind of piqued their interest, so uh, I'm very thankful because it's opening doors for this person to get back in church, and it's really amazing how, I hope some of you guys, I, I think I mentioned it on Sunday, not only morning, but I think even evening I went into it more uh, in depth. I hope you're inviting people. I'm going to tell you, they will come. You just have to invite them. You might have to invite them 50 times. They're going to come. It's a matter of time. If nothing more, just as it's happening with the people that I know, they're, they're, they feel guilted. I haven't guilted them. I haven't even said anything anymore. But every time they see me, they feel guilty because they said, I'd like to come. And then they'll say, oh, you know, I was, one person was getting dressed and convinced themselves not to come last Sunday. So God, hey, God's working. And that's the great part is we serve a God of power. I don't have to shame him. I don't have to make him feel, you know, and that's what the human desire sometimes is, is I'll shame them into coming and then they'll just come. Don't do that. Don't shame anybody into coming. Remember something, we can only lead them to the water. We can't make them drink. We can't even get them to walk to the water. We can invite them to the water the living water in Jesus Christ. So please recognize that. It's the same reason tonight I firmly believe that God laid this message titled The Sword. You will know instantly if you are any person that spends any time in the Word what tonight's message will have to do with. It's one verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're going to actually look at the precision of the sword tonight and what the sword's objective is, and you're going to understand as we read it. If you haven't gotten that, means probably, if you don't know what Hebrews 4.12 is, or a little instantly when you see it, recognizing how not only popular the verse is, but how important what it is saying is, that means probably tonight that you are not engaging the sword enough. You can't in any capacity, you think about right now, I will actually even better with what has happened and how Israel was attacked. The tactics that were used, the enemy's tactics in attacking us spiritually make that look like child's play. We don't realize this. We don't realize the, the continual watching and exploiting of weaknesses that he is doing. Because the scripture says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, a lion's dangerous, but guess what? It's, but what, what is a a lion have to do that Satan doesn't. Lion has to go to sleep. 
Lion has to have downtime. The enemy doesn't. You might think, oh, you know, uh, it's hey, it's the devil. You know, I'm just gonna. I'm listen. He's been doing this for thousands, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. I don't want to give him any more attention or glory or anything to that respect in any way. But we've got to understand the magnitude of when we arrogantly believe, though I'm going to stand up to it. You go ahead, sons of Sceva. You will not stand up it other than the authority and the power of Christ Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You will not stand apart from that. We cannot stand apart from that. We don't have any strength in our own selves. As a follower of Christ, that's why the scripture, when it says, I have been crucified with Christ, what I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That is where the power of salvation, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, what does it say? His power is made perfect in weakness. That's why I boast in my infirmities, my persecutions, my weakness, for when I am weak, he is strong. That is the power and strength we have. And, and if we will recognize that, the younger you can, can truly grasp that concept in life, the greater your ability to fully walk in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit is going to be. Because what you're going to realize is, as my cousin that I asked many years ago, I said, I, I, how long ago have you been a believer? And, and Heather, I've you know, known her since she was born, basically. And then she said, I can never remember a time in my life that I was not desperate for Christ. That's what she said. I can never remember a time in my life that I was not desperate for Christ. Let me tell you what I'm going to say. My cousin Heather has some profound words. Because if you and I will stay desperate for Christ, what we're, we're doing is we are allowing the lordship of Christ, meaning he is our uh, doulos. We are, we're a slave, a slave of doulos to Christ. He is our slave master. Whenever God is the slave master, whenever we are a slave, what does that mean? He is responsible for everything. The only thing we have to do is the master's will. So we don't decide what we're going to do as a slave. What does a slave do? The master's will. Do you realize that Jesus was a slave to God the Father's will? Powerful. We've been studying it in our uh, Knowing God series, Blackaby series on Sunday morning in our class. It's been awesome because what it's showing us, and it's re just reaffirmation of biblical truth, we are merely carrying out the will of the Father as a slave. And the beautiful thing about God is God will lead every single step. It's the same way you hear me when I talk about finances. If you allow God to put a dollar, put his name on every dollar that you have in your life and you let God disseminate it in accordance with scripture truth, I promise you, you'll never have money trouble. <clears throat> and if you're down to nothing, I promise all of your needs will be met. You might have times where God's doing you with Elijah in the wilderness where you're like, God's going to have to feed us with the ravens. <clears throat> That's not a problem. Let me know. I'll tell you where the food giveaways are at churches. Because there's places God can use to supply needs. If you've been being faithful and you have time of need, maybe God's trying to humble you a little bit. There's nothing more humble than something like that where somebody wants to bless the community and you go sit in the line like that and you have a genuine need. There's nothing embarrassing or shameful about that. I'll tell you where it is, though. In the human pride. The human pride. And a lot of times what God has to do is he's got to do as he did with myself for those years in breaking pride down. It's not fun. 
especially when you had it like I had it, very steeped in self. I did not need people to do things for me. Those are those things that, that really prohibit the ability for us to be blessed by someone else. <clears throat> someone will say to me, yeah, so-and-so, I, I, uh, I, they, they offered to help me. I told them I didn't need it. <clears throat> and you know what I tell them? I know that you could use what they were gonna do for you. Do you realize you robbed them of a blessing? And you see that face go, what, what do you mean? Do you realize when somebody ministers to you, whether it's a financial or whether it's a physical need, comes out, mows your grass, whatever, the, the, whatever happens, doesn't matter what it is, it, the litmus of things. If you stop, oh no, I'm good. I, I don't need that. I, I know, thank you. I, I take care of my own stuff. What you've just done is you said, God, thank you, but no thank you. And what pride did is prevented someone from being able to experience a blessing through you. Don't allow that to happen in your life because the only thing that will prevent that is the wicked blackness of human pride. And pride will hinder our ability to do that. How do you find out what scriptures call us to it? We're going to do this tonight. The sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We'll go ahead and get into it and then we'll break it down and see what God has to speak. Let's go ahead, if you're physically able tonight, to stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Father, speak through your word tonight. God, we give you full and free reign, Lord. Have your will amongst us. Lord, I pray if there's one here or watching online that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. First part of uh, verse 12 there again. Here we are. For the word of God is living and effective, and I'm going to stop there. This is what I love. First point tonight is God's word is living. When something's living, what is it able to do? When something's living, it is able to acclimate itself to the needs of the things around it. Now, does scripture change? No. God's word doesn't change. It's the same as God is yesterday, today, and forever. What is awesome about that is, is you'll hear someone say, well, you know, the Bible was written so long ago, and what I'm dealing with is just not relevant to speaking to the current day issues. <laughs> Wrong answer. I will promise you, if humanity is able to exist another 10,000 years, God's word will be as relevant to the, to the issues of that time as it is right now. Now, what level with which the depravity of man may go to where you may go, I can't even understand. The Bible never could have, you know, could have predicted that. Yes, it would. So were in the days of Noah, so it be the coming of the Son of Man. There was a great increase in wickedness during Noah's time. As a matter of fact, if you see the ones that were on the boat, it was the picture, in essence, almost of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was the wickedness that had pervaded every part and place in culture. Men, women, and children had no desire for the truth. Because if they had and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, where would they? Do you think God would have just wiped out those righteous people? Do you think if Sodom and Gomorrah maybe had some righteous people hidden amongst it that God would have done it? No, because what? Hey, 
What did God say with it? Hey, if we find how many? Came all the way down. Ten. I think with five, God would have still spared him. But what, was, what had happened is, this was a whole a systemic issue that yet it burns me up as I hear, God, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because I'm homosexuals. Let me tell you what God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for. It started long before that. All the end picture of what their wickedness was was the final outflow of what had happened long before in their hearts. Scripture says they were overfed, unconcerned, indifferent, did not care for the poor, and the outflow of that was a sexual depravity that knew no limits. Don't you think for a moment, if we allow ourselves to go out there, that the level of depravity you may reach will be unspeakable? Why does Scripture say, take every thought captive to the will of Christ? Why is it so important for us to be in the word, in the sword, bearing the sword, carrying the sword, and allowing the sword to do its work of even revealing our hearts, intentions, and everything else. Because we are hopelessly depraved apart from Christ. And I, I, I pray tonight that there's no one in here that thinks that you are immune from any level of sin, possible or thinkable. Because if you or I would believe, for, oh no, I'd, I'd never do that. Oh, God, have mercy on you. May God have mercy on you. Because this is what I learned in my young years when I would arrogantly make a statement like that. I did it naively. I did it with, with the, the belief that, no, there's something. And I've never forgotten the times in my life when I would make a brash statement of something foolish like that. And the next thing you know, you're sitting there going, what am I doing? How did I end up here? And I firmly believe especially as a Christian, when you or I make that I'd never statement, you know what, God, literally, the words don't even leave your tongue and God's hand goes, he must. You know why he must? Because what we're saying is, is we're the one that controls our lusts, our passions, our battles, and our struggles. Brothers and sisters, no, we don't. They are restrained under the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ as we yield to the Holy Spirit's leading and conviction. It has nothing to do with us being good little Christians that are controlling ourselves. No, we realize our desperate nature, our broken nature, and we're fighting this spiritual battle, this warfare continually within us. And as I shared with you, and I will perpetually share the importance of understanding what nature are we feeding every single day, the sin nature or the spirit nature. And the one we feed is going to be the stronger nature ultimately. So when we allow ourselves to take cruise control spirits and go, you know, I just, I've been reading a lot. You know, I'm doing really good. The family's doing great. And I'm just going to kind of take a little break spiritually right now. You know, don't do it. You're a fool if you do it. Because what you'll find yourself so fast doing is you will find yourself weeks ahead. Your life has become an absolute train wreck. And one day as you're talking to somebody who has some spiritual backbone, and you go, I don't know what's going on. Man, our life's a wreck. And that person who has spiritual insight and discernment goes, well, you in the Word every day? You know, I hadn't been like, this is the way it's answered. Not, no, I hadn't been. No, I hadn't just, I hadn't been like I should. That's always what the pre-qualifier is. I, always, I haven't been like I should, trying to soften. And when somebody says that, I say, how long have you not been in the Bible? 
Oh, it's about three weeks ago. I started, you know, I just got, I thought I'd take a little bit of a break. I'd been tired, I was having trouble, sniffles, and my sinus infection, you know, my bad knee. And I just kind of fell out. And uh, by the way, when did these things start? Oh, uh, it started about three weeks ago. I just, it's really interesting. And then I say, do you not realize the correlation? And it's like it goes ding, ding, ding. And do me a favor, go home and read. I, we're not going to talk anymore because I'm not going to talk when we're walking in ungodliness about spiritual things. We're going to get in the Word and let the Word speak to it. And then we're going to meet next week because I'm going to let the Word address what only God can because I'm not a miracle worker. I'm nothing more than someone like you that has a call of ministry on my life. So we're going to get in the Word. We're going to let God speak to what only God can. And then next week I'll sit down with you and all I want to do is hear what God's done in your life in the last week. And I'm telling you this with all sincerity and truth. I have been doing this. This is my 16th year at Longview. We're going to hit in, in March. I've never had anybody come back to me that said, I, I've been in the Word and it's just not working. Not once. Do you know why? Because God's Word's living. And God's Word speaks to whatever we may have or ever will face. But you've got to believe it. Because I'm, that's, that's the biggest name it claim that you'll ever hear from me. If you don't believe it, you will not receive it. Because your lack of belief that that will do that is right a blatant demonstration of faithlessness. I know God's word speaks to every single issue. And if there's a delay in that happening, it has nothing to do with God or his word. That has to do with an internal issue, a processing issue. And the processing issues result most often in us battling what we should be doing or need to be doing versus what God's trying to do and wants to do in our lives. Listen to the second part of, of uh, verse 12. Sharper than any double-edged sword. We're going to stop there. Number two, God's word will slice through the lies of Satan. God's word will slice through the lies of Satan. Not only the ones coming external, but the ones we manufacture internally. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm going to take a, I just need a Sunday off. I've been working so hard and I got the sniffles this morning and, you know, I, I think I might be getting something. First of all, might be is a whole different ball game. Then I got a fever and I've got a sore throat. That's a bit, something's going on. I may be coming down with something because I was near someone who had something. Excuses, excuses, you'll hear them every day. The devil will provide them in the church. You stay away when the people come to know the Lord. The devil always loses, so they keep them folks away from the church. He offers them excuses. Summer, it's too hot. Winter, it's too cold. Springtime, when the weather's just right, we find someplace else to go, right? It goes on. And one of those at the end says, and he didn't even shake my hand, talking about the preacher. Excuses, excuses. We hear him every day, and he will give them to you. You let one be effective, and you will find out how often that situation arises. You go to fight with your spouse on Sunday morning. If that works, you will have knock-down drag-outs until you finally rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and take those thoughts captive to the will of Christ. But you've got to actually do what I do and what a lot of other people have to do. Lord, you're going to be number one. And it's not going to be a question of whether I get up and I go to church and I fellowship and I worship and I do. And I'm not just because I'm the preacher. I had the same philosophy when I was in the wheelchair. And I had others that had to load the wheelchair and others that had to do all of those things for me. 
And they did that for me. And think about the extra time that all of that incurred, not only loading it, but then unloading it. And then all of the after church, loading it again and unloading it at home and then coming back for night church. We can make excuses. Well, you know, it's just so much work and I hate to do that to you. Jesus died for me. What greater privilege could I have than having someone not only with an incredible spirit and loading it without any complaints, rejoicing that our children are able to not only go and worship, we're in a vibrant body of Christ, that people love Jesus. Why not? Jesus died for me on the cross. How hard is it for me to go and give my allegiance, my life, my all, my heart, my passions in this little minuscule amount of time during the week? It's nothing. You think about, let's say your encompassed time is three hours on a Sunday morning for church, three hours. Let's say on Sunday nights you got an hour, and then on Wednesday nights you have an hour. Let's just say I I was behaved in preaching So you have five hours a week. Anybody know the amount of time that we have on any given week? All right, real quick. 24 times 7, 168 minus 5. Oh, you're down to 163 hours. Oh, God have mercy. What are we going to do? Can you believe? I mean, there's no way we can fit in. There's no way we can fit in five hours of worship. I mean, God, you know I just can't get it together. I'm going to just tell you, it boils down to a heart issue. If you can't get up and worship the God that you say, you cannot wait to spend. Ready? Oh, God, I just can't wait to go to heaven. You can't even get up now to worship, and you really are telling me that you're prepared to spend your eternity in his presence, and you can't get in his presence for five hours with other believers during the week? We better step back, start doing an introspect. I don't like crowds. You're not going to want to go to heaven then because the other place is where you're by yourself. Heaven is going to be billions of people worshiping around God. I get nervous. Well, then you might want to go to the other place then because that's where you'll get the isolation that you're saying you need. I'm just telling you the truth. Let the Word of God speak to you. It's not my issue. But honestly truly believe this, you're, you're going to be with these people here along with billions of people that you don't know, you've never seen them before. Oh, I just, sorry, I don't do good in crowds. You better talk to the Lord about it because <laughs> there's only one other option. Dark, it's hot, and it has no ability to sustain life, but Hey, we all make our choices, don't we? Why let God's word slice through the lies of Satan in your life? If you've got an issue being in crowds, you know what I'd do? I'd get on your face before God is what I'd do. If you've got a friend giving you that lie and telling you, I'm sorry, I'd like to go to church. I just don't do good in crowds. I would pray that God would break through the lies of Satan and God's word will do that but you've got to have enough backbone to turn to that person that you love and say, stop lying to yourself. You'll go to a ball game and sit in a ball game full of people and holler and shout. and He gets too loud. It makes me nervous. You'll go to a ball game and listen to a bunch of people acting like wild Indians. You don't have no problem with that. Burning hot in the stadiums, burning hot in the, the gymnasiums. You'll go watch a play full of people sneezing. and I don't want to get sick. 
Everybody's been sick. Oh, they won't go to church, but go everywhere else. Oh, Lord, I can't make it to church on Sunday morning. I can't. Oh, they just can't be in a ward. I've been there 30 years, never been late. Oh, really? You don't even know what you just said. You just showed who your master is. God's second fiddle. Your master's your, your work, your employer. You can, you can show up on time for them. You can climb out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning and show up at work 30 minutes early because you're a faithful employee. Oh, but God forbid you'd have to show up in God's presence excited to do what God commands us to do. Lord, have mercy. Again, these lies, church, this is what I'm talking about. And we have to, including myself, I'm speaking to myself first and foremost, we have to dispel the lies of the enemy with God's word because we can sell ourselves hook, line, and sinker. And you may tell yourself, it's not a big deal. I've prayed a prayer and I'm just thankful. You better read Matthew chapter 7. Stop lying to yourself. By their fruit, you will know them. Do you know what fruit means? Fruit means that the things you're professing are actually in your heart and they're not words, salad that you're telling yourself. You're speaking into existence, trying to make this loving relationship that you're trying to convince others that you have, that inside your heart of hearts you continue to make lies to everybody in your life truly because it's just one big facade. If that's you, I'd encourage you to get on your face before the Lord while you still have time, and I mean this. And what do I say? Oh, oh, get saved again? No, I'm telling you, God, reveal the condition of my heart through your words because my lies, I've begun to believe myself. Lord, I've convinced myself that I don't need the fellowship of believers. And yet Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not forsake the assemblies. Not my words, it's God. Well, that's what Paul said. You better watch yourself making that statement too. You better watch yourself and try to say, oh, they were having an issue back then. Paul's, but that doesn't apply to us. I bet it doesn't. I guess that's why believers all over the place don't hold a Sabbath day one day in their life anymore because we don't need that anymore, do we? I'm going to tell you something. I just read it earlier in Scripture in the New Testament. The Sabbath day is still active, church. Do you know that? you know that we're supposed to have a day of rest? It might not be a Sunday. You might have to do like I do and take another day in the week where you chill out and you have your Sabbath day. But do you know right now, God's word, and when it says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that is still applicable right now. You don't have to believe it. You don't. You can convince yourself of anything else, but I challenge you to get in the scripture and show me where we're not supposed to keep. Oh, by the way, I guess we can murder now too, can't we? I guess we can commit adultery, can't we? Oh, the law, we're out under the law anymore, so we get to do all of that, don't we? No. No. We are still under the moral law, church. We're not under the ceremonial law anymore. Why? When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we're fulfilling the law, right? Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to fulfill the Ten Commandments, not covet. Why? Because we know it violates the heart of God. We know it violates the heart of God when we go and take someone's life merely because we don't like them and don't think that they should breathe anymore. What we're doing when we try to start taking things out of context and trying to say, that doesn't apply to me, you either let God's word apply to you, throw it all out. Don't play, don't play buffet Christianity with it because I'll tell you what you'll find yourself doing. You'll do exactly what churches all over the globe are doing right now with lifestyles the scripture speaks against as abhorrent. And you'll start to justify everything. 
God's word is God's word, and it speaks to the issues, and it's, hey, God's word will slice through the lies of Satan. All you've got to do is let the sword do its work. How do you do that? By getting in it, by praying it in, and by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and letting God's word speak for itself and you and I not trying to speak. Then the third part, end of verse 12 right there. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Well, we just got back to that again, didn't we? We just kind of covered that, but we're going to cover it again. This is the third and final thing tonight. God's Word will reveal the intentions we thought we didn't have. (laughs) God's Word will reveal the intentions you thought you didn't have. You know what that means? It's the times that you convinced yourself you were doing something for the right reason when in the reality, if you were blatantly honest with yourself, your intentions weren't what they were supposed to be. You were maybe people-pleasing instead of doing as unto the Lord whatever it was you were doing. You gave to something so that the people would see your name on the plaque or the list that people put up in places where such and such gave this and such and such gave that. By the way, if you're giving unto the Lord, if, if, if Brother Jonathan ever got a little bit crazy, so let's just put it, let, let's list it so everybody can get a pat on the back. Run. Not only run, don't give to it. You hear what I just said? This is a pastor telling you, if I ever got crazy and lost my mind and wanted to start putting up on a board where somebody gave to say, oh, man, wow, look what they're doing. Run, don't do it. Because you want your blessing. You don't want to throw away money that God gave you to advance the kingdom because I got off in left field and I must have showed up that morning a pair of black wingtips, black socks, my underwear, and a a short pair of shorts from the 70s, and a t-shirt to preach. That's what's happened to me if that happens. Meaning, I've completely come unglued. Because I know the biggest thing that I've always wanted you to do is be blessed, and we know what Scripture says. Don't let your left hand know what you're right. When you're going to give, put your right hand in your pocket so that the when you put in there, your, your right hand has to have a clue what you just did. Don't let your left hand know what you're right, or your right hand know what your left's doing. Meaning, give it as unto the Lord out of the goodness of your heart, recognizing that all you're doing is putting back in the hands of the Lord for the kingdom what he gave you the ability to get in the first place. And you are sowing into the kingdom. And by the way, what does he say? The only time in Scripture he says, test me in this. See if I will not pour out a blessing so great you can't contain it. Everybody said, oh man, can't wait till God sends all that money back. (laughs) First of all, that's a wrong motive right there. Imagine the heart, and I'm telling you, I've experienced this. When God blesses you and you're able either to bless someone financially or with food or something you're able to do, maybe you're able to encourage somebody because why God has encouraged you, he has filled you with so much joy and the overflow of your joy is so much so that you're pouring out a blessing on the people around you. I shared with the person Monday morning, I, I spoke about you, I didn't use your name, I said to her, I said, I spoke about you because the first time I came in, he said, why are you so happy? And I said, I've noticed that smile. She lit up, she was already lit up because she always sees me, she smiles huge now. And she said, are you serious? I said, dead serious. I said, you might, and I said, I even said in the message, you might just be putting it on, but I said, either way, I'm fine. 
She said, I'm actually not. I said, I don't, didn't think you were. I just wanted to use that in qualifier because I can't speak for your heart. But I said, it's been such a blessing to see you coming in and smiling because I said, if I affect one person, then I've done my job. I've done what God has called me to do. I hope I affect a lot more people than that. But you know what that did? That encouraged her big time because she saw that I saw what God has done in her heart through that simple conversation with just one person. I had that with a lot of people, but one in particular that I have watched God just exponentially bless. That is what God does. He gives us and has given me. Again, does the smile on my face represent my physical feeling? No, it does not. I'll tell you how often that is, about 95 plus percent of the time. As a matter of fact, if you want to know what's going on physically, just look at my face right now. You think it's just because I'm excited preaching? No, it's because inside my body's screaming. But that's not about that. It's about this. This is my desire to walk in the fullness of Christ and the pain that I experience and live with is over here. And let's keep those two things separated. Let's walk in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna let emotion and feeling dictate our emotions, amen? We're not gonna, we're not gonna let that happen because we're the ones that can allow the Spirit of God to do this or we can go to the physician instead of the great physician and go up and the next thing you know, we're on the back pew foaming at the mouth because why? We're on God only knows what forms of whatever and we've lost our in, in complete ability to live in the now because we didn't trust God that God would give us the ability to take enough to keep you whatever you might have to take. Let God do that, but don't buy into this thing that I want every pain, I want every hurt, I want every ache. I gotta run to the doctor because, oh Lord forbid, I have one of those Hey, how about reading a little 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Sometimes God uses pain to teach us. You know what he uses pain to teach us? Not only is it, this is not our home. It's the continual reminder that this is not the place that we're going to eternally reside. It's that place I talked about a few minutes ago called heaven. And we're going to be there for an eternity in God's presence in a glorified body that will not die, will have no more pain, no more heartache, no more hurt. Scripture says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. The old order of things, church, is on the way out. But my question to you tonight is, God's word will reveal the intentions of our heart, especially those ones that we think we didn't have. See, God's word's living. It speaks to every issue current right now in your life. It speaks to every issue right now currently you're dealing with in your finances. It deals with every issue right now that you're dealing with in your marriage, relationships, friendships. It deals with every issue in terms of discipleship, sharing the gospel. It deals with not eating too much honey. It tells you don't go and wear out your welcome at your neighbor's house. I, 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 it's endless what scripture deals with. It'll tell you to stop chasing that love of money. Because Scripture says love of money, not what so many people misquote the Scripture as. Money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. Love of money. There is nothing inherently wrong with money. It's love of money. 
one of the reasons that we got to be careful when we hear people quote scripture and you go, that's hillbilly speak. He just quote out of First Thessalonians. And when you know the scripture, you know when they're quoting out of First Thessalonians instead of First Thessalonians. Because you know truth. You're like the Bereans, and I hope you are. I've preached about that. I've talked about that ad nauseum. I hope you are like the Bereans. When you hear something, you get in the Word. When somebody at work says something, you go, well, that sounded really good, but that didn't sound scriptural. You go and get in the Word. You know, it's like people now with this whole uh, transformation of what they want to call marriage and, you know, God's love and God wants us happy. Stop it. That's not in the Bible. We are happy when we're in His will, purpose, and plan for our life. Show me in the Bible where God wants us happy. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, submit to your husband. Isn't it interesting it doesn't say? Wives, love your husband. This says husbands, love your wives. I think there's a lot of relationships where that man loved that woman to death and the wife was a little late in coming to the party. Because back in scriptural times, there wasn't a whole lot of choice with the woman and who she was going to marry. You don't just go, oh, I'm going to marry you. Oh, I love you. No, Scripture says, husband, love your wife. Wives, submit to your husband. You hope spiritually and scripturally we know from the word, I know God would give her a love for him in time if he is loving her as Christ loved the church. See, we have such a warped theological interpretation from our culture on what we believe things should be. Be a person of the word. By the way, that's what Baptist, you know this? In the origination of the Baptist doctrine, they have been known as people of the what? People of the Bible, the Word. People of the Word, people of the Bible. And I pray that it stays that forever. Because in a moment, if they decide that they want to go one of those tracks, I'm out. I'll pull out faster and you can, your head will spin. And if the church decided they didn't want to, that's no problem. I will respectfully and gracefully, with total love, no hard feelings, exit, and I'll go down there on the other end of the county and find 10 people don't know their head from their feet spiritually, and I'll share Christ and disciple and minister to them. What I'm saying is, I care not about affiliation. It's important to have doctrinal background. I believe that fully. I believe accountability is great, and that's what I'm thankful for with what we have, and we have a, we have a uh, the Baptist faith and message, so we have a, a doctrinal stance with which we adhere to, and us being a part of that is the statement that this is what we believe that is a good thing. You don't want some guy decides to start a church in the back pocket is the church checkbook in the preacher's pocket. And he is what? The one pony show. He does it. It's all about him. Let me just tell you, and we'll give you three letters. If this happens, R and N is the last word, number, a letter of the three uh, um, alphabet, the three letters in this. R is the first one, N is the third one, and there's a middle, what's the middle one? A U, run. Because when it's about man, the quickest thing that happens is we can get a lot of examples throughout history. Most notably, we all know about, it's called drinking the Kool-Aid. I've shared this with people here that didn't even know what that meant. Jim Jones, at first started out as a very solid Bible teacher, pastor. Most people don't know this. 
Jim Jones was about as solid as they came. But in time, something happened. Jim Jones got out in left field, not playing ball. He got theologically off base. And I think it probably started the time that he probably stopped reading this and probably got filled with selfish pride, the pride of the flesh, as we all battle at times. The next thing you know, he's got over a 1,000 people headed down to, to Jonestown, Guyana, selling them the promise of him because he was their savior, he was their God, he was their everything. And ultimately, he mixed up a bunch of Kool-Aid, had cyanide in it, and over a 1,000 people, and the people that didn't want to do it were either injected with chemicals that killed them and the ones that tried to run were shot. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, church. If it's outside of God's word, and God's word is not the sword, God's word is not the defining, the, the, the defining instrument with which everything that we have is discerned from, we got problems because God speaks to it. My question tonight to you, in your heart, is God's word living? Do you realize that it is effective it's active, it's able to do everything. Do you realize that? Do you accept that? Do you believe that tonight? Number two, God's word will slice through the lies of Satan. Do you believe that? Do you believe, as some I've heard say before, well, you know, the Bible's just kind of outdated. You know, um, I, I, I read it, but it, I just don't really believe what I would encourage you if you have that battle tonight, to get on your face before God and pray that God would give you the ability to understand that God's word is still living, it's still active, it's still sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the dividing asunder joint marrow. It does everything and discerns the intentions of our hearts. And then finally, God's word will reveal that intention and those thoughts that we didn't even know we had. Where are you at tonight? Where are you at? Are you in this every day? I'm not your mother, I'm not your father. But I ask you tonight, are you in this every day? And I just want to tell you, if you're not, I will tell you tonight what you're doing. You're failing. You might not be failing big yet, but I assure you, it's on the way. I promise you. I promise you right now, your life is so full of compromise, you don't even have a clue how much compromise you're full of right now. Why? because you've sold yourself a lie and you're not allowing the truth to speak to those lies. You wonder why your wife ain't acting right and your kids aren't acting right and you're not acting right and you know it's just you're, you're trying and you pray a lot and you pray all the time you say. Well that's fine. But get your hand off God's mouth and let him speak. The same way you wouldn't let your three year old put his hand over your mouth and him tell you what the life is gonna be like in your home Stop putting your hand over God's mouth like a three-year-old would. And why don't you allow him to speak? Why don't you actually slow down on your prayer life and let God speak for a little while? But that can only happen here. You might not like what I'm saying, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't care if you don't. Because I'm here because I love your soul, and the condition of your soul is what matters to me. I don't care that you're comfortable, and as a matter of fact, I, I close with this. I hope you go home so mad tonight that your blood pressure's raised and you don't sleep for a while. I pray God breaks you down tonight and impresses on your heart as I've poured to the greatest passion I can the importance of the sword, the importance of what the sword does, the importance of walking in the fullness of Christ that cannot happen. If I was a no good, no count, sorry preacher, I wouldn't say this tonight. 
We'd have talked about the Beatitudes and how we should love each other. And we'd go back into the, we'd just get right back on the milk and we'd all get our sippy cups and we'd just wear it out spiritually. We don't have time for that. We have to understand that growth happens when we get in and confront the issues that we're battling. And one of the biggest ones right now, and I'm thankful that Longview has a greater number of people in this church that reads than any church that I've actually ever heard of in my lifetime. That's wonderful. But you know where I'll stop piping on this? When 100% of the people in this church are reading, I'm still going to mention it because we, our memories aren't real long. But when I know that every person in this church, if you couldn't come to our Bible reading dinner, the only reason is you were working or you had a family event or somebody got sick. When, when 100% of the people at Longview Baptist Church sit in that dinner that we have every January and we celebrate the, the beauty of what God's Word is doing, we're not celebrating that we finished it. You know this? We're celebrating the fact of how God has worked through his word in our hearts. It's brag on Jesus night. And we get to sit around and hear how God has convicted. We've heard, we've heard men and, and women and children share how they would have walked away from the faith had they not been in the word some of the years that we've had these dinners. It is humbling. So I'm going to keep wearing this out until 100% of Longview Baptist churches, and then I'll, I'll speak about it every other week. Amen? Because I can't share with you the importance of the sword. Once again, the only offensive weapon that we have in the arsenal, in the armor, one. The rest of them are defensive. What does defensive mean? You already have been attacked when the armor protects you. You're already under attack. Do you realize what you can do with the sword? You can attack offensively. You can strike first. So when the enemy comes at you and tries to tempt you and he, he desires to have a sword fight, guess what? God's word obliterates the lies of the enemy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.